Welcome to the Year of the Movie podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from the year of the movie 2023. I'm Sebastian. I'm Maggie. And together we make... Movies. Movies. And podcast episodes about movies. Podcasts about movies. Such as this one. Yeah. But, But why? Well, I'm so glad you asked. 2023 is a weird year for movies. Goofy goofy extremely goofy some might say Mm -hmm. uh there were writer strikes and actor strikes and other industries that were having a bad time this year um and partly related unrelated to that just a bunch of it it was just cinema's back baby (laughs) made weird movies all at the same time and they all came out this year such as 65 80 for brady Barbie, Air, uh, uh, Big George Foreman, Chupa, uh, all, all Fast X, Five Nights at Freddy's, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a weird year. Mm-hmm. Um, so today's episode is about the movie Paint. It's one of those movies. It's one, it's one of those movies that <laughs> is on this list that came out in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Uh, synopsis for Paint is. Carl Nargle, a local treasure with a soothing whisper of a voice, hosts his own painting show on Vermont Public Television. His art has attracted the attention of many women over the years, especially those who work at the station. However, when a new painter gets hired to revitalize the channel, Carl's own fears regarding his talents as an artist are brought to the forefront. It's a long synopsis. Mm Mm-hmm. What were your first impressions when you heard about this movie? I was really excited. It's Owen Wilson playing basically bob ross Mm. that's like the trailer that's what the trailer gave off to me yeah and uh yeah i was excited to see that i like bob ross and i like owen wilson Mm -hmm. yeah um i did not watch the trailer for this movie um until today um but yeah that was basically i just saw images for the movie and it was that like uh that that photo effect of like a person is here and then their face is up in the corner too, like very, very old school mm-hmm. promo style stuff. Yeah. Uh, they were really going for a specific uh, vision, and the movie has a specific vi- vision. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought this was gonna be like this one was one of the movies that I was like, oh, yeah, we probably should make a podcast about this year mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah yeah so we 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 will talk about the trailer now Mm because we always talk about the trailer talk about the trailer for uh, numerous reasons Mm -hmm. one reason is we can't legally show the trailer Mm -hmm. also wouldn't be fun for the audio viewers (laughs) yep um and so we talk about the trailer kind of break that down give us you know some non-spoiler things to talk about mm-hmm. and then if the trailer is you know sounds interesting to you then you can go check the movie out and then finish watching this podcast yeah so, so you did watch the trailer when it came out i think i watched like a teaser trailer okay um but i guess we'll see if based off of this description if i remember yeah. this this is the official trailer yeah um so it's like two and a half minutes or something i don't think i watched that yeah feel like i watched maybe a minute (coughs) yeah uh i think it's my turn sure okay a man carl nargle paints broad strokes of blue on a canvas saying our goal is pretty simple music uh, music kicks in over the ifc films logo the man continues i want to help you get what's in here and just splash it onto there we see he's painting a forest on a canvas on tv and a group of senior citizens watch together smiling he continues don't worry it's not rocket science And there's another shot of a woman painting while watching the show. The man turns around and says, it's harder. He smiles, then it cuts to a full screen graphic reading the world before showing Carl on set, talking to the camera as several women look on. He says, thanks for going to a special place with me. Then another full screen saying, was his canvas. Back to Carl, speaking to camera, standing next to his completed painting, whispering his own name, Carl Nargle. The women slash crew looking on all sides. The director calls, cut it. Carl walks off set saying, that tree is probably too tall. You're gonna, you're probably going to get some calls about that. 
The cheerful music continues over a shot of a small town. It cuts again to a view looking up, uh, looking out from inside a van, with people waving and saying Carl Nargle's name. Carl is uh, waves back, and a woman says, "Mr. Nargle, it's an honor to meet you, sir." We see a woman, Ambrosia, introducing herself on set. Carl turns around and says, "Wait, what's going on?" And we see a TV graphic that says, "Paint with Ambrosia," then showing Ambrosia introducing herself on the show. Carl and the other women such crew watch, one of them, Beverly, saying it takes paint to a whole new place, and it's been to a lot of places, as she eyes Carl up and down. Carl quietly says, good night, everyone, and walks away. There's a beat of silence before one of the other women, Wendy, says, I've never seen him that mad. The screen cuts to black, coming back up with different 70s music playing, and Carl revealing a painting to a young woman, Jenna. She seems odd. And asks Carl, does this mean I'm your muse? We see Carl and Jenna on a bed together getting closer with another woman, Catherine's voiceover. Don't let that fame bring out the worst in you. Carl seemingly responds to her, a real man never looks back. And there's a snapshot sound effect as we see Carl with fans signing autographs and then the crew taking care of Ambrosia on set. Cut to Carl in the station manager Tony's office asking, are these the new tote bags? Holding up a design with Ambrosia's face on it. Tony says, it's only because yours weren't selling. And there's another shot of, of Tony leading Carl away from set. Carl's voiceover says, I'm an artist instead of a woman who says really mean things to other women. Holding a box of his stuff by his van. Ambrosia responds to him, you were an artist. There's a hectic shot of Carl throwing paint, then revealing he's destroying a wall of his own paintings. Another full screen... Life's a picture, then the screen shows a roadside pointing towards an art museum with Jenna's voiceover. A real artist follows his heart. It cuts to Black coming back up on Jenna, telling Carl, my Uber is here, and he responds, I don't know what that is. Tony and the rest of the crew watch a show behind video monitors showing Carl as Jenna's voice responds, it's goodbye. Another full screen saying he couldn't paint. A woman asks Carl, how's everything going? And he replies, awesome, as we see he's slowly painting an entire canvas black. <laughs> Carl walks through an art museum up to a blank wall looking excited. A man's voiceover asks, what's the image tucked away in your brain that makes your heart ache? And there are quick flashes of Carl showing up a paint showing a painting on set, Wendy slamming a table, and Carl sitting down at a barbershop. We see Carl's studio on fire as the voiceover continues, and your soul f feels like it's going to burst. And Catherine looks at something in Carl's van, smiling. More quick shots of Carl with Tony, a paint can being opened, and Brosia stepping back from a canvas, the van driving down a road, and Brosia in a car with a woman, an excited PBS host, Denny Dillon, Carl's face, Carl and Catherine in bed together, then Carl yelling and throwing paint against the studio wall again. The image briefly cuts to black, coming back up on Carl looking up with paint all over his hair. His voiceover says, Carl is one-dimensional and very sexist. And we see he's reading a newspaper review with Catherine. He calmly tells her, you know I don't care what people say about me, before hard-cutting to him in his van, stopping at every house on the street, and stealing their newspapers. A woman on the phone watches in confusion as Carl steals her paper. We see him drive away with the license plate, Paint R., and the movie title graphic paint comes on screen. A phone rings and we come back to Wendy answering phones saying PBS Burlington and a woman's voice on the line says, Carl stole my newspaper? Wendy responds, yes, we're aware that Carl is stealing newspapers. Please hold before cutting to graphics with the film information. It's obviously a Bob Ross spoof. Yeah. Um, this is another one where our, the trailer gives away. So much. So much. Yeah. Um, which makes me think this is not the one that you watched at first. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, it's there's just the part where it's just like boom, 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 yeah. boom, and it's shot after shot after shot. Um, yeah, it really sets up the story to be a artist struggling with his identity and also aging out of a demographic. Yeah. Um, and then there's lots of interesting imagery. Um, it's obviously supposed to make you think of a specific time period, like vaguely 70s, mm -hmm. 80s. Um, and then the font choice is also 70s inspired. Um, the the one thing that goes against all of that, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, is when Jenna says my Uber is here. Yeah, I mean, I thought I gave it 90s. Yeah, that's true. Just, I mean, there there were old computers yeah. at the the pbs station and all the stuff yeah um the, but the director did specifically say in interviews that this takes place in the 2020s 
Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, sort of a stab at PBS. That's nice. Yeah. Um. And then this, like we just mentioned, it gives away a lot of the climactic imagery of the movie. Um. Not necessarily the context for that imagery, but like the, like Carl with the paint in his hair is supposed to be like a big moment um the studio being on fire is a pretty big moment and both of those if you see the trailer then like you're kind of expecting that to happen Mm -hmm. um so it takes away from those moments i think uh i think there's a way that you can make a trailer try and get people interested in your movie show that like stuff obviously happens without showing like the explicit stuff that happens in the movie so yeah uh cast cast i mean it had a good cast it's a good cast um owen wilson obviously is carl nargle Mm -hmm. michaela watkins is Catherine. wendy mclendon covey covey is wendy Mm -hmm. uh sierra 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 renee sierra renee is ambrosia lucy fryer is jenna uh Lu- Lucia? Lu- Lucia 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 maybe Struss Struss yeah. is Beverly Stephen Root is Tony Michael Pemberton is Dr. Bradford Linehan Denny Dillon is Denny, Denny Dillon. Dillon uh yeah I mean so it's a good cast um I knew a good chunk of the people in here just from various yeah. things I mean I think Owen Wilson and Stephen Root are probably the biggest they're the biggest I would say um i recognize wendy from uh meet the goldbergs that's like one of her bigger things that she's yeah done. yeah yeah um uh i, I recognize michaela Watkins. she's in so many so many things yeah i was uh, about to look at her the i think the one there's a recent show called the unicorn i think that she is oh. is in uh and that has um Walter Walton Goggins oh. and Rob Corddry and some other people. Gotcha. And that was really good. Uh, it says she's known for Wanderlust, The Backup Plan, Thanks for Sharing, and In a World. Yeah. it's it's She's someone that if you see her face, then yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. The Dropout. Her. I kind of watched that. Um, yeah. Uh, I really liked um, Lucy Freyer. I really thought I recognized her. But this is her first, like, credit, besides, like, two two other little things. Hmm. So if I do recognize her, I have no idea what it's from. Yeah. Maybe she also kind of reminds me of a girl I went to middle school with. <laughs> so maybe that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's a really strong cast. Mm-hmm. Everyone is pretty good at the roles that they're in. Um, yeah. Yep. So probably spoiler Spoilers, yeah. Um it just things happen in this movie for sure it's it's i'm gonna say it i didn't love the movie what um yeah i didn't either i it had potential i mean like i'm a bob ross fan yes and i think this i don't know it was not enough of a spoof i have many thoughts on the bob ross angle yeah and i think we'll get to them Later on, I have a thing about Bob Ross's legacy. Yeah. Um, I should say right now, like, I might have to actually, I don't know if I legally have to say it, but I'm encouraged to say it, that I am a current PBS employee. I yeah. do not speak for PBS. I'm not paid for my opinions. All that good stuff. I used to work for PBS, yeah. so I can say whatever <laughs> I want. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like PBS. I'm a big fan. I support PBS. Yeah. So you, should like, su- you should support your local public broadcasting station. Yeah, I, I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, even if I didn't currently work for PBS, I would still be a big PBS. Like, I was yeah. a PBS kid, yeah. you know, <laughs> growing up. Like, we, we didn't have cable. We had, in, in like, mm-hmm. antenna TV. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Bob Ross a decent amount growing up not always being interested in him but like i respect the (laughs) legacy um yeah Yeah. and so like this movie is so very loosely based off of bob ross i think the most that it's based off of is appearance aesthetically how he talks yes and what he does on his show yes that is it yes and that's i think very intentional yeah um whether like i think it's very intentional 
but I don't know if the director realized it was intentional <laughs> based on stuff that he has said. Um, so, yeah, plot points. Things just kind of happen. So this movie, um, I think the tone is really weird. And that's one of the issues that I have. It's like, starting out, I really wanted to like this movie. The initial intro lost me a little bit. Um, so it starts out with like, it's kind of an episode of paint that's like the show that and the movie title wow um and it starts out with like his narration and he's talking through a painting and the way that bob ross does he never says like happy little accidents or anything like that his his catchphrase is always like go to a special place with me yeah um and it keeps changing between the like watching him paint seeing it on a monitor watching people watch a monitor and then shooting him like he's actually in the forest and he's speaking directly to the camera yeah and And it was too jarring when it went to there for me and then they never go back to that that's why i thought it was so jarring it's like i I thought this was going to be like semi semi realism of like you're in the paintings Uh sometimes and they never attempt that again it's like once they do that then then like you may you would maybe think that with the new painter they would go into hers because like her paintings completely different style her paintings are wild there's like a ufo and tons of blood and so it's like oh okay like let's see like this in the like i don't know if like they wanted to but the budget was too low or what but it was just like doing it once they don't do it at the end for like a wrap it up in a bow type of thing they could have bookended it with him yeah because they kind of do in the stuff that he's talking about because he's specifically talking about a like blackberry bush yeah and he called it he has like a name for the bush he's like miss miss Maisie or something like that yeah and so like at the end then he's talking to a blackberry bush yeah so but it's real this time i guess i don't get because he's like successful with life now yeah he's happy or whatever yeah (laughs) um so so the the kind of theme through it is like carl has a successful show but he has a kind of unsuccessful personal life Mm -hmm. basically he like he started getting famous with paint um he was dating Catherine at the time and then she cheated on him because and like this is stuff that you all find you find out like sprinkled throughout the movie it's not laid out all at once um she cheated on him because she felt neglected in their relationship regretted it immediately told him and then basically his like personal life just kind of stagnated right there yeah he's like i feel like it's implied that like stylistically like in the way that he dresses and everything that he just stopped like he he has always stayed in that time period um there's a bug right in front of me um and then ever since then then he's just kind of like slowly been making his way through the women that work at the pbs station um and like he's never he's never like in a satisfying relationship he's always like trying to basically replace Catherine. Mm-hmm. um he's always painting the same thing Thing over and over again it's a mountain it's it's a specific mountain because someone at the art museum local to them was like there's not a good painting of this mountain and he thought that he could prove that he was a good painter by painting this mountain good enough to get in the art museum yeah so he only ever painted that mountain <laughs> in the hopes that it that's dr bradford lenahan in yeah. the hopes that dr bradford would watch the show and be like that's it that's yeah. that's the one <laughs> let's put it in the museum um and then Carl, like, never really, like, puts himself out there. Of, he, like, no, he never tries or steps out. Yeah, and... he, he basically painted this mountain for 19 years and then, um, like, also never contacted that guy in the first place to try and get one of his paintings in the museum. Because he, he mentions it to Jenna, who is, like, his current muse at the mm-hmm. time that the movie takes place. Um, and And she's, like why would you never even try and he's like what if he says no but that's like the only scene between them where you get of carl being like self-conscious about his art level of like having commercial success versus critical success um it's not really a theme 
that the movie goes back to. <laughs> nah, this this movie is like it tries to do a bunch of stuff, but then it doesn't like. It's. I mean, this movie is like what they make Carl, in that like, it's like, oh, that could be cool, that could be cool, but I'm not gonna go for it. I'm yeah. never gonna go for it. I'm never gonna do anything. I'm just gonna show like the the little basic things. Yeah. And then they sprinkle in weird gags, that just like tonally don't fit. Yeah. Because so much of this movie is depressing, and yeah. like not in a way that's like, makes you like it's not depressing in a way where you want to watch it. It's just like. <laughs> This is it's a, it was it's a sad. to watch. Yeah, and it was kind of boring. It was slow. It was really things just happened. There yeah. weren't really any like actual consequences. Thing like the movie ended and we just kind of sat there for a second and was like, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and then we put on a different movie that we'll talk about later. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so things just kind of happen. He doesn't really go for anything. I think like the. I guess the through line with the other stuff is like Carl hates change. Uh, he's very, I wouldn't say comfortable, but he's at terms with like where he is right now. Um, and they, the station is not doing well. Support your local PBS station. <laughs> um, and they're like, they're trying to think of things to boost the station financially. Um, and like, Catherine is also about to leave the station for a bigger job in um, Albany in Albany so she's like trying to get the station like stable before she can leave because Tony is the station manager but Catherine's really the one that's running the stuff yeah which so, is you know that happens that happens yeah. um <laughs> so uh Tony's like Catherine had Tony tells Carl Catherine had an idea uh we should have paint on for two hours instead of one and then you can do two paintings, double the Carl Nargle, double mm-hmm. the donations, theoretically. Carl just kind of says, like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. He He's basically like, I don't, I don't know if I if I want to put out double the paintings. And, like, what if, what if people won't take me as seriously if they just see me, like, chugging out twice yeah. as much art? Yeah. And they won't value it as much. Uh, and, but then he's like... Let me know if I can do anything. <laughs> and then leaves. Um, so then they bring on Ambrosia. And that's why they're not straight up replacing Carl in the first place in the way yeah. the trailer makes it seem like. They just needed more. They needed someone else. Yeah. And then Ambrosia comes on, does something completely different, and creates yeah. two paintings in one hour. So that's when Beverly is like, she's taking paint to a whole new level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I... This movie, I honestly, was a bummer, like you said, mm-hmm. and I really don't have the energy to talk about it because it was just like, <laughs> oh man, really, this is what you came up with. Yeah, there uh, there were parts that we liked. Yes, it looks great. Um, I think the production design is the strongest aspect of this movie. Um, I th- like they picked this specific town to shoot in because they said it was kind of stuck in time. Mm-hmm. Um. Carl has a very specific vibe. Um, he's definitely like he's got the Bob Ross hair, um, and then he he's wearing like seventies outfits. Yeah, basically. it's very seventies. He's yeah. either in like tight jeans or bell bottoms, and he's in like western shirts that the costume designer uh, hand embroidered wow. herself. Um, a lot of effort went into yeah, this movie. Yeah, a lot huh? of effort. Uh, <laughs> One of the costuming uh, choices that I liked is, like, as Ambrosia is gaining momentum in the station, then, like, when you first meet everyone, they're also all wearing, like, sweaters, and they're all in the same color palette that Carl is in. Um, And then as Ambrosia becomes, like, more herself, like, you first meet her, and she's also wearing a sweater, but it's a quirky sweater. (laughs) Um, And then she like starts doing a lot more like pattern mixing and like bigger colors and stuff like that um and then the everyone else in the station also starts doing that i thought that was an interesting choice um i kind of wish that that was reflected even farther into like the production design of the station itself um but the as far as costuming goes i thought that was fun um yeah, and then the pretty strong performances from everyone, like we've mentioned earlier. Yeah, acting was good. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I will say that like I don't think it was necessarily a difficult movie to act in. It's great for character actors. Yeah. Because scenes just happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really feel the need to give a plot overlay. Nope. We'll just say this. That like Carl gets pushed out of PBS. Uh, he tries teaching. He gets pushed out of teaching because his just his heart isn't in it. Um, he tries to change a bit. Uh, he gets, I think, unnecessarily high. Like it's a necessary drug scene yeah. in a movie. Um, he accidentally lights his studio on fire. Catherine comes and saves him. Um, everyone thinks he's dead now everyone thinks he's dead because he cut his hair so they like find his hair yeah in the studio so he must be dead because that's how that works um and then <laughs> basically he just like they just don't correct anyone and they move away and they move away and uh Catherine goes back to school yeah because she was gonna move to albany and then they were like you, they established earlier that she dropped out of college for Carl and yeah. their relationship. And then Albany was like, did you not go to college? Yeah. And then they basically revoke the job offer. Which is just, P- listen, PBS wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you've been working at PBS for 19 years. They're going to value that more. Yeah. They, they're like, please don't go. We need, we need, yeah. we need you. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so Catherine goes back to school. Carl decides to change his art style, and he becomes Banksy. Uh, he becomes Blanksy. Right. Yeah, is what they call him. Yeah. But yeah, because like he's painting a painting, and you don't see what it is, and he's like, what do you think? And then Catherine is like, I think that it should be a girl, and I think this should be red instead of blue. And then it lo- And you look at the painting, and there's a blue balloon with a little boy watching it fly away that in the style that Banksy did his. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then she's like, I hope you don't become famous again. And, mm-hmm. and then it's just like a weird little, and then the credits end with him doing Banksy style paintings on barns. Yeah. And it's just, it's another weird tone thing Yeah, where it's like, I don't get what the point of this is. Also then, everyone thinks that carl is dead so there's a whole line out the door getting to get to the museum and um the uh like doctor guy that runs it walks up one day and then people are like how many nargles you got in there and he then he like freaks out a little bit because there are there are no carl nargle paintings in the museum and then and then the value of the carl nargle paintings skyrockets and basically everyone he's ever given a painting to becomes a a bajillionaire or whatever yeah this this movie is a movie where the writer was like, oh, this would be cool. Oh, but this would be cool, too. Oh, this would be a fun scene. Oh, this would be cool. That would be really funny if he did this. It would be really funny if he uh, r- ran around the town stealing newspapers from people's yard. That would yeah. that would be so – that would be good. I'm going to put it in. Greenlit. Yeah. It, uh, one of the reviews that I read for this movie was that it's an SNL skit that just went on for too long. Yes. It feels – yes yeah i mean every scene like the specifically with the newspaper stealing scene Mm -hmm. like that's like the most physical action you see carl do yeah otherwise he's very like stagnant very stagnant he does the whisper voice all the time he's like chill yeah even when he's upset he's chill yeah this is like he reads that review he says to Catherine, you know i've never cared about what people think of me and then and then he does the hard cut like in the trailer to him stealing all the newspapers but they show him steal newspapers from like eight houses on this street and it just is too long and is very much like oh we needed some filler it's like they also try and do like edgar wright editing style to that too where there's a lot of like he's changing the gear he's going it's like yeah but but then he goes up like and i guess that's like part of the joke is like he's he's gunning it to every single house but they're right next to each other it was rough and like i i am someone who does like to sit on a scene and leave a scene like yeah. while you're there but this even for me i was just like Ooh. when but when i was thinking about this afterwards i kept thinking about um how i think you should leave sketches mm-hmm. go where um 
they're very unique i think part of the reason why they're so unique is like it will start off with an an initial premise and then basically just keeps yes ending on top of that not even like the initial premise blows up but like you have you know like it's it starts off with like talking about the passive the pay it forward thing and then it gets more ridiculous in a, mm-hmm. in a drive-through of the 55 hot dogs 55 hamburgers <laughs> like whatever like it it gets bigger and bigger or like the the one where um they're trying to get his attention and he's just playing this game the weird egg game and then it it yeah. just like stops yeah it really felt like this of like again like an snl skit that went on too long but in the i think you should leave way of just like what if he was bob ross what if he was struggling with his identity what if he was aging out of a demographic what if we were making fun of pbs what if he was sexist what yeah. if, like all of this just on top of each other and then you don't get any payoff for it really then he just like stays successful in a different way and there's no real indication of like his why his art style changes so much like why then go to banksy it just for the joke like there's so many things that happen of like this happens for a plot reason not for like a character would choose to do that or like this happens for a joke and not because the plot makes sense there weren't it wasn't a it's not coherent a comedy enough of a movie for the gags like that to work yes like it works in a movie like uh walk hard the dewey cox story mm-hmm. with john c Riley. yeah um like that kind of movie a parody mm-hmm. works but this wasn't a parody it yeah. was just i don't know yeah it... uh i forgot to say in the parts we liked earlier um i like the style of the paintings it's obviously a bob ross style yeah but i like how they look um i did think it was a little goofy where like the thing that he decides is like the image that sets his soul on fire or whatever that quote was is like Catherine in the back of his van they're about to to do it Mm -hmm. each other and so he paints her Mm -hmm. like in his final episode like he basically he kind of hijacks the show from ambrosia but she also gives him permission well no no uh tony was doing it at that point yeah and because ambrosia had also kind of quit yeah it's weird where paint ends at the end like the show yeah um but he paints a portrait for like the first time in however many years and it's Catherine in his van and that's like the thing that she finds um as like the barn is burning and she finds it in the van and she rescues it and that's like the image of her smiling in the trailer is looking at that i don't think the painting was very good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean it no, was a like, lot of build-up and like that's fine i don't like, i didn't expect it to be super good because like bob ross like i know bob ross because people are like bob could you do a portrait or paint mm-hmm. some people and he's like you know i'm just not really good at that so i don't think that i will yeah <laughs> and so like i think like there's like that yeah he's not i don't know it's, it, it's supposed to be the payoff is like he made the effort to yeah. make a change because that's another thing that happens earlier is like a woman a, a woman wins a um her portrait done by Carl Nargle he paints the mountain again yeah um so you kind of get the payoff of like he paints what he truly cares about now <laughs> i wish whatever her name was bridget i think mm. i wish bridget got her portrait yeah and she kind of does because of the blanksy thing like at the end he paints her on the side of a barn but like I wish he painted her instead of Catherine. Yeah. I don't know. That's not the point. Cause that was also supposed to be the moment of like the set your soul on fire image. But like she watches your show every day. Like she's just donated $800 to your station. I just, not the movie. It's just, bleh. yeah. Iffy bits. Iffy bits. If you haven't heard enough. Iffy bits. <laughs> yeah. Um, his relationship with women is interesting because they aren't not friends they're they're (laughs) like they still all work together but all of the women at the station he has or is in a relationship and they all know and they're all seemingly cool with it yeah they're just like yeah it happens basically has a harem yeah 
it's like I'm pretty sure this movie passes the Bechdel test, but I, I feel like for the amount of women that are in this movie, it should pass more than it does. It definitely passes when, because Catherine and Ambrosia have a brief relationship, and it passes when Catherine talks to Beverly about yeah. it. And then Beverly and Ambrosia end up together at the end. And Catherine and Ambrosia also talk about, like, the job and stuff outside of Carl's. So, like, and, like, career advice and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it it is mostly about carl everything everything centers on carl which is again the point of the movie yeah i just feel like it should be called carl nargle and not paint paint. yeah i don't know yeah um yeah so the way that like can i i hate the name carl nargle (laughs) i wish it wasn't nargle yeah i kind of actually i wish it wasn't carl i don't like i i bob ross one syllable yeah like Carl Nargol. Yeah. I don't love it. No. Yeah. It, yeah. Um. I don't really have a... I don't know how I feel about his relationship with women. Because it's not... It's not like he's a bad guy. I wouldn't want to work with him. But he's like... I mean, he's Sorry, just... but like when you hear about Me Too and like Harvey Weinstein and all these yeah. horrible people, then like he's not a villain he doesn't necessarily need to be redeemed in like because he's committed criminal acts against women or whatever he's just someone who thinks he's like a big hot shot but no one outside of this little town has ever heard of him like it's he's very regionally successful which is like a thing it's it's like a town's weatherman yeah being famous yeah like that's <laughs> be like i saw i saw the news like yeah the weather i saw <laughs> jeff lyons from evansville's <laughs> news station at the fall festival <laughs> oh i saw joe wren at the grocery store Ooh. the other day these are very specific references <laughs> um yeah just yeah he's he's very regionally successful obviously bob ross is nationally successful so like i didn't care that much about like them overselling his fame um but yeah i don't know how to feel about that and and then the the newspaper article being like he's sexist like i guess but like it's mostly tony saying the the bad stuff i don't know i like tony i I mean i couldn't tell if tony also had feelings for for carl man who knows <laughs> tony's character was weird like it's it worked because it's steven root yeah but if it was just like somebody then yeah. it was just i don't know so kind of there a reporter comes in she's a woman uh she's she's like mr nargo we have an interview i try to leave a message on your cell phone and he's like ah, i don't know how those things work um and then tony is like fully misreading the situation and he's like he's gonna want to take you to the van like that's that's where he takes all of them or something like that and it's just it's a weird introduction and then um the reporter sees him like interact with the other women and it's very obvious that he has had a relationship with everyone in the room basically so then she writes that he's sexist i don't i think it's just the label he uses women yeah (laughs) He could still value them. Yeah, he's not sexist. He thinks they're equals, and so he uses them (laughs) equally. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Anyway, um, Uh, yeah, it's just not strong enough on on any specific scene for me to, like, have a a specific opinion about it. It's a weak movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Ambrosia is kind of implied to be doing, or, like, following the same steps as Carl, so... She also starts dating Catherine first. Yeah. Um, and then Catherine is still has feelings for Carl. So then that's why they break up. Ambrosia, like, I think tries to say, she tries to tell Catherine that she loves her mm-hmm. or was like hoping that Catherine loves her. And then because of Catherine's feelings for Carl, they break up. Um, so then she starts dating Beverly instead. Ooh, yeah. Who is even, so... So Catherine meets Ambrosia's parents because Ambrosia is young, question mark? I mean, yeah, 20s. Our, our age? Older, late 20s, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she still lives with her parents. 
Uh, yeah. So, like, Catherine gets out of the car. They're at Ambrosia's place. She thinks they're about to have sex, which maybe they are. And then Ambrosia's parents, like, walk around the corner. And they, turns out, went to high school with Catherine. Yeah. And, so so, it's, so a, it's a weird age thing. And then when she's dating Beverly uh the the grandma is there and yeah. then it's revealed that beverly went to school with ambrosia's grandma. grandma yeah that's another one of those weird jokes where it doesn't quite have it doesn't quite land we're like it's just like okay because also when when Catherine meets ambrosia's parents then uh ambrosia's mom is like i'll put or like i'll make some totinos to bring in your room do you want pepperoni or cheese yeah. and then Catherine just kind of stands there and she's like pepperoni like yeah. it's 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 a weird age commentary that doesn't d- go anywhere because it's kind of like almost trying to say something about power dynamics, mm-hmm. I think, because it started out with Catherine like giving Ambrosia career advice and then Ambrosia kind of like has the upper hand with everything of like she initiates the relationship with Catherine. She's the one that also gives Catherine relationship advice to like put herself out there for yeah. the albany job and all this other stuff so i don't know how to feel about her ending up with beverly no. I li- it, it's kind of like she's taking the relationships more seriously because she is introducing them to her family yeah but it's still just again weak it's weak it's and, weird yeah. i don't know uh we have about 20 ish minutes before we have to oh start doing okay. the next thing yeah uh, uh, the PBS thing is what I, I. Yeah, so there's some good and some bad slash inaccurate bits about PBS. Yeah. Uh, so, um, a lot of the technology is outdated. Yeah, that happens. That happens with PBS. Yeah. Sure. Um, they do all of their shows live. No. Um, no, this kind of show. Right? Not no. This would definitely be recorded. Yeah. Um and then uh there's a whole thing where they're like not only has Carl been like shoved off of paint but then um his show like they they say they can't even show the reruns anymore because PBS has a thing where they won't show tobacco use which like and Carl smokes a pipe in, in all of his shows. No, as far as I know. I mean, yeah. No. <laughs> if if it did, that would be weird because PBS yeah. is, you know, typically the public broadcasting station. Right. So it's it's just like you can kind of show what you want. There yeah. are some guidelines and rules, but right. for the most part, you can do. But also, I was just like wa- watching that, and I was like, Downton Abbey. What are you talking about? Like, there's so yeah. many period pieces where like yeah. com- like smoking was more. So like prevalent. that, like that to me felt like a weird jab at PBS for being like hoity-toity. I don't know. I didn't think it was a weird jab. I was just like, oh, don't, you don't actually know how. I mean, one, you works. don't know how it works. And yeah. Two, it did. It just like a lot of this movie felt like a weird jab to me of just like how showing like how backwards in terms of just like the the technology and just like how old and dated everything is and just like yeah because it's publicly funded yeah like that's what happens when you don't have a whole lot of money yeah support your local pbs (laughs) station uh yeah some of those bits were like yeah that's a little bit true but then it went to like a a, yeah a place where it's just making fun of it yeah yeah um and then the pacing and editing is weird we've talked about that yeah Yeah. it attempts to do a lot but Mm -hmm. um Production facts? Production facts. Yeah. So it was released April 7th, 2023 by IFC Films. It was produced by Blue Creek Pictures, Silver Lining Entertainment, and White Birch Films. It's a pretty indie movie. Yeah. Um, it has an hour and 36 minute runtime. It's rated PG-13. Uh, it's got a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 57% audience score. It's a 45 out of 100 on Metacritic. And then Post Track, which asks audience reviews. Um, has an 83 percent with 33 percent of audiences saying that they recommend the movie okay yeah um <laughs> that 83 percent is higher than i thought it would yeah. be uh and then the general like critic response i think on rotten tomatoes is thanks to a creative canvas that stretched too thin and ha- and haphazardly splashed with far too few colors most viewers will find watching pay a painfully dry experience yeah yeah that, it truly was like yeah I'm trying to think right now what in this episode that we're recording mm-hmm. is going to be good for a clip to share. <laughs> but so, so much of this movie was just blue. 
Yeah. <laughs> that I, I, I just don't know. I also saw reviews that was describing it as a dry and quick comedy. And it was like, I've seen dry, quick comedies. This was a dry, dry. Yeah. Dry, slow. Dry, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say watching paint dry, but like, yeah. because it's like more visually entertaining than that. But it's not a whole lot going on. Um, and then a, it's from a 1.5 star review from the Roger Ebert website. Says Ross always preached that there were no mistakes, just happy accidents. A mess like paint, all broad strokes and no point, proves that he wasn't always right. Yeah, I think yeah. my review on Letterbox for this was uh, something along the lines of, you know, this was not a happy accident. This was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeesh. Yeesh. Maybe the clip. Maybe I'll do something like. Uh, Real life PBS employees review the movie Paint. Not clickbait. <laughs> LOL. And then we make like the. <laughs> Good. Uh, yep. Budget for this movie? Couldn't tell you. I would assume 10 mil. One website that like is is i i cannot verify it one place said 11 million dollars i have no idea my my yeah my guess was around yeah that just because of who is in it yeah uh <laughs> yeah and then the box office for this movie is good i bet it's good it's 800 hundred million dollars million dollars <laughs> oh my god eight hundred and eleven thousand seven hundred and thirty nine dollars yeah it's not great it's not great uh, I believe all of that is U.S. domestic. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. this was not a movie that was going to make money. I mean, no offense. It, I think it could have. Yeah. Like, the initial premise, there was so much hype about the premise of this movie. And then I forgot when it came out. And that was kind of the general response of, like, it came out and then I heard nothing. Yeah. I, I just think IFC films tend to be art house, weird, goofy right. things that don't make a lot of money. And so I think, like... Yeah. I don't think they're really expecting to make a bunch of money with this. But it could have been cool. It could have done better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the screenplay for this movie was on Blacklist Most Liked Unproduced Screenplays of 2010. Yeah. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Blacklist is like, that's big. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you can submit a thing to Blacklist and they accept it and then they talk about it or get put it on a list yeah. or whatever, like that's pretty yeah that's like okay you, that means people like the thing that you did yeah yeah um i don't i i don't know why this one was on there i feel like learning that this script came from 2010 i was like oh that kind of makes more sense with the way that the women are in this movie yeah um yeah so it took 13 years for the film to be made i couldn't find a specific reason why it took so long um it was written and directed by Britt mcadams this is his first scripted film not just his first feature, yeah. but his first scripted film. Um, the other big thing that he worked on was, I think, Triviaville USA, or I think that's the name of it. Yeah. Documentary about trivia. Yeah. Um, and then he just kind of said that the process to make the movie would come together, then fall apart over the years. So I don't... I mean, if I had to guess, and I'm sorry, uh, Britt McAdams. Yeah. People were interested in the in the synopsis and the concept and then they read the script and it's we it's yeah yeah like (laughs) yeah Um, it's the type of script where if you read i don't know we read many scripts in college we mm -hmm. read many student scripts in college Mm -hmm. and how mostly the men writers but sometimes the lady writers too would write women yeah and then we'd be like oh no this this, this isn't is, how people talk. This isn't how people talk. Yeah. And this is what that script is to me. Oh, no, that's not. Yeah. This is. <laughs> I just feel like it still could have been stronger and like white noise. That's also how people not talk to each other. That, mm-hmm. that was the. But it's done. Yeah. In, in, the, in a, a style. style. Yeah. yeah. It's a strong enough style that like you can forgive that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's obviously based off of Bob Ross, but then also um the costuming was inspired by musician gordon lightfoot um brick mit brit mcadams his intention was to create the anti-bob ross um but he also says that he doesn't want to make fun of bob ross and he loved his show as a kid and respects his legacy i feel like 
he was he specifically said that like when i was a kid like bob ross's show was a safe place for me i totally get that that's nice and he was like i never i don't i don't ever remember turning off an episode of bob ross if you fully love that guy and his work so much i don't think you can successfully make fun of him because you care about him too much and this movie doesn't take a strong enough stance on anything like they like they say that carl is a womanizer or like he has this like very comforting presence on tv they don't contrast that enough with how he is in real life he's the same dude the entire time like you could have you could have had him like do the the owen wilson whisper and then have him like be a really gruff dude outside of that or something it's just like any, yeah anti, any anti-bob ross to me wouldn't be someone who still seems like bob ross who is still an, a like chill dude yeah yeah like i yeah um, anti-bob ross to me is gallagher <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is it's just visually very close to bob ross and that's like the strongest thing about it so there's a 1.5 star review from the washington post says uh there is nothing especially bob rossian about wilson's carl nargle other than his fright wig hair bedroom voice narration and propensity for painting the same mountain landscape over and over and over the fact that carl continues to dress in bell bottoms and cowboy shirts with embroidered yokes in the present day and has apparently never heard of uber based on a line of dialogue that seems meant to get a laugh but probably won't suggests a version of the real ross that is somehow preserved in amber yeah 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 that uber line really bothered me yeah it really bothered me because outside of that, this movie is timeless. It could take place. Yeah. Like the, uh, the clothes are seventies, eighties, the technology is eighties, nineties, yeah. whatever. Like it's all vague enough that it could be whatever. But then she says Uber. Yeah. So it's like at least it's the 2020s, according to Brick McAdams. Which why? Yeah. Why would you choose to do that? And all he then- does is mention cell phones. Like you could, you could just say that like he's not technology savvy. Yeah. And that's it. Which is, like, why I kind of, like, thought the 90s was, like, still... That's, like, made sense enough because, like, there were technically yeah. cell phones in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were really called cell phones for sure back then. Right. But I'll, I'll take it. But then she says Uber. And it's just, like, why couldn't she just been, like, my taxi's here. My ride is here. My ride is here. It was I have o- to go. <laughs> it was only an Uber because... He said, I don't know what that means. And then she said, it means goodbye. Yeah. And just like. <sighs> yeah. It's 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 a type of dialogue writing that when you write it, you're like, oh, this is this is good. Mm-hmm. This is good. And I've had those moments, right? You write something. You're like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. funny or that's badass. Mm-hmm. And then you have people read it out loud. And it's like, oh, no, this is dumb and, and corny and we cheesy. Let's it. just cut it. Yeah. And then they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> um yeah there's an la times review that says tonally paint which opens on friday may not be a parody but by legal standards it is although carl does work for a pbs station in the film that stands for public broadcasting syndicate and because carl nargle is fictional no permission was required from bob ross inc in fact the filmmakers didn't reach out although the company is aware of the film uh it like for sure legally totally in the right i feel like again if you're trying to be this close to bob ross and his image you gotta you gotta give a heads up yeah you gotta send an email it felt it it feels (laughs) like he's trying to be edgy but chose bob ross to be edgy with he's trying to be edgy with like the bluntest knife possible yeah Yeah. um and then bob ross inc um like basically their stance on the movie was like we're aware of it we're cool with it we're basically cool with anything that will encourage bob ross staying relevant in the cultural zeitgeist yeah um yeah they also um bob ross inc has a hotline to respond to fan calls every day that's good um they said they get about 100 calls every day um but they got so many upset calls from people specifically when the trailer came out saying that bob ross wouldn't steal newspapers yeah. yeah 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 i mean <laughs> which like the, the one line that's also in the trailer of like that tree is too tall you're gonna get calls about that that's another thing that like is kind of true yeah. about like some hardcore older demographics of pbs fans is like you make an adjustment and people are gonna lose their minds just a little bit and this is very a little bit funny that it's <laughs> true to life in that way yeah. um 
Yeah, this was filmed in Saratoga Springs, April to June 2021. Um, they had about 20 days to shoot the movie, according to Stephen Root. Um, and then the TV station is an actual station that employees had to leave due to the pandemic. Um, and then it's that saved the production money since they didn't have to build a set and they and it provided some realism. Sure, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't write the, find the right van for the shoot until days before <sighs> filming began, began. We didn't really mention his van. Yeah. Carl's got an old van that's got like a whole mural on the side he brings women there yeah um and then they looked like fully across the country for one couldn't find the right van then they found the perfect one a few hours away from their filming location yeah, that's magic uh and then they still had to send the van to get the vinyl wrapping on it because it's got the mural on the side um and then it finished and it pulled up to the shoot like hours before filming began oh that's fine yeah uh, so that's what one article called a happy little accident. <laughs> um, yeah. And then if just, if you're interested more in Bob Ross and his legacy now, then there's a 2021 Netflix documentary called Bob Ross, happy accidents, betrayal and greed that looks into his image and then like the legality of his image and the implications of like who owns the rights to it. Yeah. Um, it was a whole thing of like, he wanted his rights to stay within his family as he was dying he died in 1995 i think um and then his business partners own the rights to his image it's like they're not doing anything wrong with his image but his family don't fully agree with like the commercialization that has happened with it um basically yeah um and then also from a roger ebert review of the documentary um, it says one of the doc's many amusing details relates to where his soothing voice came from. A known flirt, Ross reckoned that his predominantly female audience would take to a softer tone that sounded like it came from the other half of the bed. Ross was a touchy guy too, and it described and is described by his director Sally Shank as ornery. So like, he liked women, but it seems mm-hmm. like but who doesn't? <laughs> it seems like he wasn't again a Harvey Weinstein about it. Yeah. He was just he was a flirtatious guy <laughs> as far as i know yeah um yeah so like the the general vibe from watching this documentary of reviews talking about it were like it you will feel sad for bob ross um his like the image of bob ross won't be tarnished of like who he was as a person it's basically just like everyone loves him so much that they <laughs> all hate each other yeah of thinking that they don't love him the right way uh which i think is interesting and then also owen wilson's dad ran a pbs station in texas and his mom was an artist so like he was pretty down for this role um and then he also watched episodes of bob ross's show and then took an art class with a certified ross artist to prepare for the role wow yeah i mean good for him for doing any preparation for this movie (laughs) (laughs) because it really it feels like a movie where it's like I'll, I'll take the money, have fun on set, and get out of there. No, he was into it. Mm. Um, yeah, everyone, like, again, all the costuming and the set design and stuff, like, everyone put a lot of detail into this. And I also respect, like, Brick Ma- Britt McAdams trying to keep this alive for 13 years. Yeah. And it is impressive that you can get that made. It's It just, I wish that the core of this project was stronger. Sure. Um, yeah. We're a little bit on a time crunch, so I don't know if there's a whole lot else to say right now. And now I think we just do a rating. Yeah. Uh, We have a four-star rating system with five options. Zero out of four is, oh, no. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Please don't make movies. Oh, my God, no. (laughs) One is, that was a movie. Two is, well made. Three is, an enjoyable and and kind of technically good movie. Four is, Oscar worthy. That's like a, that's a great movie right there. Yeah. I gave this movie shockingly one out of four because yeah. it wasn't like offense. Uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like bad, 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 bad. Yeah. But it was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And the 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 few good things bring it up to a one, I guess. Yeah. I also gave it a one, pretty much for the same reasons of like, it it again looks great that's my favorite part of this movie yeah. is like how everything looks owen wilson is good in this movie everyone is good in this movie um but it was hard to like keep my attention yep during during it mm-hmm. um yeah and also just like 
I have ideas to, for for PBS spoofs, and I, I not to brag, but I feel like I could do a better one. Yeah. So, so we'll see <laughs> six years from now yeah. or whatever, thirteen years from now, how mine works. Yep. So that brings us to the end of that movie. But as always, we like to talk about another movie that we've watched recently because we enjoy movies and we watch movies. Mm-hmm. Um. So after we watched Paint, we needed a palate cleanser, basically. And so we watched. Elf at Saves Christmas. Yep. 2021? 2019. 2019's Elf at Saves Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you can watch it on Peacock. <laughs> you know it. You love it. It took the nation by storm. Um, <laughs> I gave it a five stars on Letterboxd. You can, you, that's true. You can find it. Yep. Because um, I think it might be the best movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> move out of the way. Paddington 2. <laughs> And the Godfather and Citizen Kane. <laughs> Elfette Saves Christmas is coming to town. Um, it's, you know, basically uh, the the corporation greed decides to kidnap Santa and, and, and ruin Christmas so this that is... they can make more money because Santa yeah. and his elves are making too many things for free. This is a universe where, like, santa exists and also everyone knows that santa exists. yeah we're fully behind that but then also that the corporations and santa like compete in the same markets we're like it's the it's the the company i think it's just like joy toys or yeah. something joy whatever. tech joy tech that is making the pencil phone uh <laughs> but then santa and the elves also make pencil phones yeah so like when a kid wishes for a pencil phone it comes from santa yeah. and not joy tech and they're like Everyone loves these pencil phones, but no one's buying them. Yeah. So they want to kill Santa. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. There's a mafia. It's great. The mafia's there. Um, Santa's played by the the dude from the blind side, like yeah. the kid, like the guy who plays the football kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically the only known actor in that movie. Yeah. Um, like there are people who aren't even credited on IMDb. The movie begins and they're supposed to be in Santa's workshop, I think yeah they're at the north uh, pole and one of the elves is like oh man we, we, this is the busiest we've been all year but the room is just like there's, <laughs> there's like five yeah there. and then it like the camera keeps moving and then it's another elf uh berating an old elf for not working fast and hard enough she's it, talking to an old woman and she's like i really need you to pick up the pace and the woman's like, okay i'm yeah. sorry i'll do my best yeah she's like i think she has a lawsuit for age discrimination yeah <laughs> Uh, and then there's just some like random other British people and random characters, and then there's like an assassin chasing fake British accents. Yeah, yeah. And there's an assassin chasing Elfette. Mm-hmm. Um, she drives a Mazda, which sometimes it has the logo and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. It's basically the perfect movie. And if you like porn, but <laughs> if you like the plot, and and you're too tired of all of those esky sex scenes in porn you, you you just want the plot that happens uh so if you just want the good parts <laughs> this is the movie for you um this movie also edges you it's so horny it's great is it's probably my favorite movie it's uh, like, i'm never going to watch it again because my god why would i do that yeah. but it's so good it like yeah there's just like the the scene where like elfa needs a vacation so she goes to florida yeah. so the, just like immediately elves in bikinis and then uh the assassin dude uh is also into cooking um and he is wearing an apron but it's a see-through apron mm-hmm. so he's just like he's ripped this dude is ripped yeah he was in magic mike or one of the magic mike movies and uh baywatch is yeah. like a background so like shredded dude which makes me think like that the clear apron was like he grabbed one on the way to the set and he was like i know which one i want to wear yeah. today um and yeah it's there's a like a weird amount of feet stuff mm-hmm. in it um and then there's the scene where like the assassin is about to torture elfette and that is the most like oh we're about to get to it there yeah and we don't um, but there's also a device in this, and I'm not going. We're not going to explain it. You just have to watch why it's called this. But yeah. there is a device in this movie called the Twinkometer. Oh, it's so good. It's the Twinkle Meter. Twinkometer. No, but it's it's the Twinkometer. We're not going to explain it. Everyone keeps pronouncing it's the Twinkometer. It as the Twinkometer. 
<laughs> so if you want to watch the best movie ever made, please go watch Elfette Saves Christmas. Yeah. If you want to experience the highs and lows like we did, watch Paint and then yeah. Elfette Saves Christmas. <laughs> you, you said shocking, which is the high and which is the low. That Both visually entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to wrap up today's podcast. Thank you guys for watching. Please follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you want more bonus content, please subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. If you leave questions and comments on any of our videos or whatnot, we will answer them uh, on our other podcast, VHS Podcast. If you listen on Spotify and you can't li- or any other audio device and you can't leave a comment. Um, rate us. Rate us. Give us ratings. and uh, Or follow. I think that also helps out. Yeah. And then uh, go, go, you just send, shoot us a message on the old Instagram. Mm hmm. And, or carrier pigeon. Or yeah, email. and we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, a little heads up on the end of our year plan because we're coming up on the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a two parter, so two episodes uh, talking about the MCU movies for the year. Yeah. Not in, uh, across the Spider Verse, yeah. just the MCU movies. So that's Quantumania, the Marvels, and Guardians of the Galaxy Guardi- Volume 3. Yeah um yeah so that'll be part one and part two like each week for the rest of the year um maybe patreons we'll get them at the same time maybe maybe and then yeah we should be back in january but with the holidays and stuff we might Mm -hmm. take a little break yeah there might yeah we might miss a bit but podcast is definitely continuing even though 2023 is coming to a close yeah yeah which makes our job easier because we don't have to keep finding new movies god yeah i keep seeing trailers and i'm like thank god this is 2024 although i did find one today that was like december 23rd i'm like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) okay thanks everybody for watching and we'll see you next week bye